0: Amen. Amen. All right. Grab your Bibles. Turn to Ephesians chapter two. That's where we're going to be the bulk of our time today, this morning. Um, this is my bookmark. Isn't she pretty? Oh, that's fine. Sorry. Anyway, um, that last song was written by a guy by the name of John Newton. And, um, I know some of you probably know the story, but John Newton was a slave trader. And, um, you know, God rescued him and changed his heart and his life, and he wrote that song as a result of God's transformation in his in his own personal life, and really the brokenness that that comes from uh, our own sin, and then just reflecting on the power of God and and how God can change somebody's life. Um, we're in the middle of of uh, five talks, if you will, on really five key. Statements from Martin Luther. Now, um, there's been some funny pictures floating around this week. Um, So if you're, if you're, you know, we should have had some of those. Do we have any of those? We don't. We don't, obviously. But uh, there were some funny pictures floating around about Martin Luther because we're celebrating 500 years of when Martin Luther um, hammered his 95 statements or 95 theses on the door at the church in Wittenberg. Now. that led to a series of things that um, Martin Luther eventually would stand trial for, okay? Because he was going against the ritual and, um, and kind of the, 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 big, the big idea of what the Catholic Church was all about. And in that moment, he was basically saying, I'm, I'm, I'm just a monk. I'm, I'm a man that's passionate about the Word of God. I'm passionate about the things of God. And, and this is what I think, bang, 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 nailed it to the wall or to the door of the church in Wittenberg. And not long after that, um, he's standing uh, before his accusers. And, and I want to read you what he says before we jump into the talk this morning. They're basically, uh, they put him on trial for going against the, the church. And this is what he says. Um, Luther replied, Your imperial majesty and your lordships demand a simple answer. Here it is, plain and unvarnished. Unless I'm convinced of error by the testimony of Scripture or of Pope or Council, since it's plain that they have often erred and often contradicted themselves. Now, here's a guy standing before his accusers who are accusing him of uh, going against the church, and he's basically telling them like it is, okay? Unvarnished, this is the way it is. By manifest reasoning, I stand convicted by the Scriptures to which I have appealed and my conscience is taken captive by God's Word. I cannot and will not recant anything, for to to act against our conscience is neither safe for us nor open to us. On this I take my stand. I can do no other. God help me. Amen. And so we've been walking the last couple of weeks through this whole idea of here I stand. And the idea this morning, uh, the, the whole focus is on grace alone. And we've sung songs about God's amazing grace today. And we're going to pick it up in Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to read the first nine verses probably. And I want you to let the Word of God wash across your heart. And then we're going to pick up three or four themes in there. And hopefully it'll be challenging for us. All right. So listen to the Scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 9 or 10. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Verse 10 says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Can we pray real quick? and Just ask God to bless the reading of His Word. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for Your Word. We're grateful for what you teach us every time we crack it open. God, we're grateful for the power in it when it's combined with the Spirit of God. It does things in us to change us. And so, God, we pray for that transformation this morning. God, that you would take your written Word and your spoken Word, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would pierce our hearts and change us. Help us to recognize this morning the utter depravity of humanity and the desperate need for the grace of Jesus Christ. And God, we cry out to You as sinners, just like John Newton, trafficking in slavery, as disdainful and as utterly repulsive as that is, God, that is me. And we confess our desperate need for You this morning. And God, by Your grace, we stand here changed. And God, by Your grace, in this room, God, You are working. And I pray that You would draw people that don't know You unto Yourself. And I pray that those of us in this room that do know You already, we've already experienced Your grace, God, we would be blown away moment by moment and day by day by Your incredible mercy and grace towards us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. About 25 years ago, Cookie and I were driving from Nashville, Tennessee. We were at a youth minister's conference. And we were driving to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Which Chattanooga is a really cool town. But the, the coolest part about Chattanooga is there's an aquarium there. A giant aquarium, alright? And so, uh, Shelby was about... I don't know, maybe nine months old, uh, eight months old. And Thad was a little squirt, four years old. You know, he's 29 now. And so 25 years ago, we were on the, in the car driving down the highway, heading to Chattanooga, Tennessee. And uh, we spend the day at the aquarium, and we're in the shops doing our thing. And uh, we decided, you, know, we, we, you know, I'm a cheap youth pastor back then. I didn't buy much now, and I don't buy much now, and didn't buy much then. And so we're, we hop in the car, and we head back to, you know, to Nashville. And along the way back, um, uh, Thad's in the back seat and Shelby's in her car seat, hopefully, you know, asleep as you, you know, most, you know, most of you know, the best place for a kid to go to sleep is in the car while you're driving, right? And so, uh, so we're driving back and we, we, I think we get nearly to Nashville and we discover that Thad has done what others in this room have done and what I have done, is he's he's worked out the five finger discount. Now you know what that is, right? The five finger discount. You've heard of this before, okay? So he 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 grabbed something in the store, and you know, he was on his way down the road, and here's this. It was just a keychain, right? I mean, it was just a cool keychain. But we discovered that he'd stolen this keychain. All right. Now, 25 years, maybe not to the day, but. Uh, 25 years earlier, this guy, the same age, you know, the same series of events, I'm standing in the line at the commissary. My dad was a military. He was a navigator bombardier. So um, we were. I was a kid in Spokane, Washington, standing in the line at the commissary, and I wanted some gum. And I asked for the gum, my mom said I couldn't have the gum, and so I too did the five finger discount. Now I wasn't as smart as that or shifty maybe. I started chewing the gum in the back seat on the way home from the commissary. So it didn't take my mom long to recognize that I had done the deed, you know, the five finger discount. And um, and of course my mother, uh, I couldn't. I think I've told you all this before, but my mother's. You've met some of you met my mother. She's a thin rail woman. But uh, she grew up on a farm in Texas, and I couldn't beat her in arm wrestling until I was about 15, okay? And so when my mom caught wind of of the fact that I would lifted the gum, well, you know what happened, okay? Uh, I was in serious trouble, all right? And we did the spin around uh, in the front seat. You know how a parent will do. Uh, she snapped around and was like, what are you, you know, did the what for? And then not only did she turn around and give me the what for, but she made us turn around and go back to the commissary. And I had to go to the manager and apologize as a four-year-old for lifting his gum. Okay. And so all that to say, we're sinful people, right? I mean, this passage of scripture is so blatantly loud and aggressive, if you will, as it as it talks about the human condition. Now, this is what he says You and I are dead in our transgressions and sin. Now, another great hymn, this one is by Isaac Watt. He talks about himself, and he's basically saying, The grace of God is so profound because I was such a worm, right? In, in our hearts and in our minds, I know we want to think that we're okay. But people, can I tell you that the Word of God declares and humanity shows that we are dead in our transgressions and sin. The human condition is we need grace. We need God's favor. We need God's mercy. And... Uh, Paul, in this letter to the Ephesians, ticks off several things. One, he says, we followed the ways of the world. We have a spirit of disobedience. How many times have you seen someone say, you can't do this, and a two-year-old does it anyway? Listen, it doesn't matter. You, every person in the room that's been around a two-year-old, if you've, if you've raised one or you've, you're the nana of one, you know. The depravity of humanity just because a one-and-a-half or a two-year-old does his or her own thing. We have a spirit of disobedience. And, and then he goes on to say we gratify the, the sinful desires, the sinful nature, the cravings of our soul, Paul says. Now, in another passage... How are you doing? Alright, you're out. Okay. Uh, in another passage... Paul talks about the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes. Now, listen. Pride was the original sin. Now, if you if you rewind into the Old Testament, there's two passages that kind of give reference. One's in Isaiah chapter 14. One's in Ezekiel chapter 28, and they both give reference to um, Lucifer and 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 the war that happened in heaven. Now, he doesn't use the name Lucifer in the Old Testament. But in in those two passages, there are pictures of a rebellion that's going on. And Lucifer was the anointed cherub that covered God's glory. That was his job in heaven. He He was the angel that protected the glory of God. He was heaven's choir director. That's what he was. He was the guy that was responsible for for the glory and the praise and the worship of God around the throne. And what did what does Scripture say about Lucifer? I will be like the Most High. I will ascend and be like God. And so pride, so that cast Lucifer out of heaven, a third of the angels went with him, and that's where we get our warring angels and, and demons and all that spiritual warfare that we're experiencing on a, on a constant day-to-day thing. But the bottom line is, the pride of life is the original sin. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And in, in, in Genesis chapter 3, it's no different. The, the, the serpent comes to Adam and Eve and he begins to challenge the things that God said and Adam and Eve chose to do it their way. What is that? That's pride. It's the pride of life. And so Paul tells us in this passage the human condition is we're dead, we follow after the ways of the world, we have a spirit of disobedience, and we gratify the cravings of our sinful nature. Don't you feel good about yourself this morning? That's the reality of who we are. I want you to circle two words in Ephesians chapter two, though. I want you to circle the word "but," right, and I want you to circle the word "God." I've circled them in my my Bible years ago, and I want to read the passage to you. So, like the rest, we were by nature objects of God's wrath, but God. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in transgressions and sin. It is by grace that you're saved, Paul says. So in, in the grand scheme of life, God recognized that we were separate from Him because of our pride, because of our sin nature, because of all the, the cravings of our sinful flesh. God recognized that, and and what did He do? He stepped in by grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, because of God's great love for us, because of His great mercy, because of His incredible kindness. God gave us grace. Now listen to um, Romans chapter two and Titus chapter three. Um, those verses, I don't think those will be on the screen, but l- just listen as I read them. Or do you show? Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? I don't want you to mistake anything this morning. The call on your life and on my life is repentance. Repentance is understanding or recognizing our own depravity, our own separateness from God, our own pride, Our own stuff, my, 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 and recognizing God's incredible gift of grace and mercy and His kindness in giving us that gift is to lead you and to lead me to repentance. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 7. At one time we were foolish, disobedient deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Does that not sound just like the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life? And Paul is talking about how that's consumed us, how that's wrapped us up. And all we can think about is all the stuff that we want, we want, we want. And he says to Titus, We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Somebody say amen. The reality is, but God. And He stepped in, and He graciously, by His kindness and by His mercy, delivered us from our humanness, from our human depravity. So the question is, do you know Him today? Have you recognized that it's by God's kindness and grace and mercy that you're even in this room today pondering eternity and wondering if you know Jesus as Savior and Lord. It's by grace that you're saved through faith. But God... Now listen, this is the subject of the entire passage. The reason Martin Luther stood and said... It's by grace alone, by faith alone, through Scripture alone, for the glory of God alone. By the reason He said all those things is because the church was demanding that people do certain things in order to have a relationship with God. And The bottom line is, I don't know why you're here today, but there's nothing about being here today that allows you entrance into heaven. It's by grace that you're saved through faith. Now, we're glad you're here. I'm fired up that you're here. We want you to be here. We want the whole town to be here. But the bottom line is, we come here as, as a response to the glory and grace of who God is in our lives. And as an act of worship, we come to gather together to spur one another on to love and good deeds. And so we want people here, but the bottom line is, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, then you need Him. Because the Bible says... Your sin and my sin separates us from God. But by grace, through faith, Jesus Christ bridges the gap from my sin to knowing God personally. And that's what the cross does. Jesus Christ bridges the gap to allow me to cross over from my depravity, my utter sinfulness, everything that I desire in in this world and in my flesh, to a relationship with God, where I become His child and His heir. It's by grace alone. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. It's, it's grace alone. So have you have you entered into a relationship with God personally? It's not your parents' faith. It's not your chi- your children's faith. It's not your neighbor's faith. It's your faith. Have you entered into a personal relationship by grace alone so that you could stand like John Newton? Listen, I don't think there's anybody in the room that's done anything as deplorable as taking a human from his nation, putting him in a boat, traveling somewhere else, and dropping him off as a slave. I don't think there's anybody in the room that's done that kind of a deed. But I have stolen something I have a spirit of disobedience. I have a passion in my heart for the lust of the things of the world. But because Jesus Christ saved me, that's been changed. Has that, has that need been met in your life? That's really the question this morning. Now, once that happens, this is where this gets really, really exciting. For by grace you are saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So once that question has been settled, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. Watch what happens. All of a sudden, he, He changes the tune. He says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what does that mean? That means that by grace you're saved, but now you're saved for a reason. You're saved for a purpose. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, Paul says that it's Christ's love that compels us. You're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. This is not a message about evangelism, but you can't separate the call of God on your life once you know Him to be a part of what He's doing in and among your family, your friends, your co-workers. And now you are no longer just touched by His grace. You're an agent of His grace. You are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. God has a plan and you are in it. He wants to write a story with your life. He's calling you and He's calling me to be agents of change. Grace givers. Why? Because you've received grace. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Amazing Grace. But you got to watch it. I mean, that's your homework. After prayer meeting tonight. Rent, find Rip off. I don't well, Don't do that. But find a way to get the movie Amazing Grace and watch it. Newton in it is, he's just a broken man. Not because of, of his sin, but because of all that God has done to deliver him. And he becomes an agent of God's grace. Will you be an agent of God's grace? Would you recognize this morning that God has a plan and you are in his plans? You're saved for good works, not because of good works. And so as believers, as followers of Christ, as we engage this community, as we engage this valley, as we engage this town, as we engage Vicki Park or, or wherever you live and do life, wherever you are, you're not doing good works because you're trying to gain heaven. You've already gained it. You've already received it. But you're, you're saved by grace for good works. It's grace alone. The tenor of this passage is that God's grace is unstoppable. The whole point of this thing is to understand that God is pouring out, pouring out, and pouring out. And now as grace-filled, saved followers of Christ, That's how we're supposed to live. You can't separate your story from the story that God wants to write through you. It's all woven together. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And what are we seeing? We're seeing a lost world, just like we were. Depravity. And God's grace steps in. He wants to use you for His, for His good works. And so church, that's the, the call this morning. Do you know Him? Has there been a moment where you let go of the world's idea of what it means to know God? Right? To a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I didn't grow up in church Met Christ on a backpacking trip in Colorado when I was 16. Haven't looked back. God's grace has been profound and amazing. Have I sinned since that day? Yes. God's grace is amazing. Doesn't mean you're not going to struggle and wrestle and have difficulties if you enter into a relationship with God. Listen, you don't have to wind up or run up or get close, you step into a relationship with God and then you let Him transform your life. Do you know Him today? Have you met Him personally? And then if you know Him, how are you going to be an agent of God's grace? Let's pray, shall we? God, I'm, I'm aware that in this room there might be folks that don't know you personally. They've never entered into a a relationship with You. and God, I pray that in Jesus' name that they would hear Your Spirit, not necessarily my voice. God, they would be drawn to You. And Lord, um, I pray that if they're eager and ready to enter into that covenant relationship, God, that they would receive Your gift of mercy and grace. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, we shall be saved. And so if that's you this morning and you're pondering the amazing grace of God, would you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you too can be saved. And... When I was a 16-year-old young lad, I didn't pray a certain prayer and God magically changed my life. I just said to God, God, I don't understand all of this, but I know I need a Savior. I know that I'm a sinner. And by Your grace, God, would You save me? And so if that's your heart this morning and you know you need Jesus, would you just whisper that to Him? Or, or, Or find... Elijah or Maddie or Teresa, one of our leaders, and just say, man, I need to talk about this grace of God. I need to know what it means to have God's grace in my life. Why would you carry the burdens of this world any longer? Why would you carry the burdens that are nagging on your heart any longer? Why wouldn't you just release it to God and say, God, I need your grace. Will you save me?